Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now, here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Today's episode was recorded for my other show, The Webinar Talk Show, where Eliz Green and I interview really cool people who are doing amazing things. And our theme this year is how to communicate your value. And we had a great interview with Beth Mund. Beth is an analog astronaut, and I'll let her explain that during the interview, but she also works with people in science and space-related industries, helping them really focus on how do they communicate their value to their constituencies and to the world. And she also spent a lot of time working at NASA. So this is a great interview that I knew had to be brought along to those of you who listen to this show. So before we get started, I do want to thank the sponsor of this show because this episode, like all of them, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Beth Mund. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. All right. So now tune in to this episode from last week's webinar talk show, and uh, hopefully you will get as much of a kick out of it as I did. Welcome back to the webinar talk show. I'm Eliz Green. And I'm Tom Singer, and Eliz and I are so happy that you are here with us, either live or watching this this show on on video, because I will tell you, we are so excited at what we have created. (laughs) Well, we're so excited about what we've created over the last 10 months with this interview format. And now Mm -hmm. we're talking to people about how do you communicate your value? And I am so excited about today's guest. Could we have found a better guest to kick off our third season? I don't think we could. Beth no, I Lund. Think, I, I, oh, think, I think Beth is going gonna, is gonna to take us out of this world. <laughs> yes. Very you know good. I, I saw what you did there. So <laughs> the reason that that's clever is Beth Mund works with people in science and space industries to communicate your their value, which is exactly what we're talking about this season. But... Oh my goodness, does she have some wonderful things to share with us today because she recently just returned from a mission as an analog astronaut. An analog astronaut. What is an analog, what's an analog astronaut? Well, let's just ask Beth. Welcome to the webinar talk show, Beth Mund. Hello, Beth. Hi. Hi, Tom. Hi, Eliz. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Let's start. What is an analog astronaut? That is a good question. (laughs) And it's the first question my husband asked me when I said, 
so I need to be gone for a month. How do you feel about that? And he was mm. like, exactly what now? And I said, <laughs> what would you think if I told you that I got accepted to be an analog astronaut? And right away, we both kind of squealed. Not so much him, mostly me. Men don't squeal. <laughs> but fist pump. And then we were like, holy cow. So an analog astronaut, there's many of us, and we're hiding amongst all of us everywhere. And mm. these are folks who are so committed to helping preserve and forward the science so that when we go into space, there's folks like myself and all the other analog astronauts who have had maybe a mission or two or three mm. that gather data so that the companies and the agencies like NASA, like ESA, European Space Agency, and everyone in between and commercial space startups and scientists, they take this data and they, they apply it to where we want to end up when we go to space. So how are we going? How many people comfortably fit in an environment, say like a spaceship? How much food is Ooh. needed? How many ounces of liquid do you need to survive? People study and practice this on Earth so that when it's time to go, we have a good rough estimate of what's needed because we've already tested it. And that is what an analog astronaut does. Now, in addition to doing general science that I just kind of explained and us being our own guinea pigs, mm -hmm. we bring our own research to a mission. And I'm putting mission in air quotes because you do get assigned to a mission. And as a crew, you have to successfully complete that mission. Mm -hmm. And that was my job in November, the entire month of November on the big island of Hawaii in the high seas analog research center it was a blast i'm sure glad to be home but i do miss my crewmates so what is what is it like so you're you're going to sort of a simulated mars mission or something like that what is it like while you're there at the at on the island of hawaii well tom are you an avid camper uh, I like to camp and I'm trying to be more of an avid camper. Yes. <laughs> okay. So imagine camping. I don't want to call it glamping because that would be really nice, but it's very similar to glamping in the sense that we have a tent that is a structure that we call the dome. And it was just under 1900 square feet. And this was where we lived and worked and cooked and survived and did our science and mm. got together to explore the surface of Mars. Now, here's what's interesting. When you're on Mauna Loa, active volcano in Hawaii, it's very similar to the surface of Mars. It's mm. jagged, it's got a lot of rough edges and dust, which Mars mm. has both. It has smooth lava that the Hawaiians call a'a, also because that's what you say when you step on it. <laughs> and, <laughs> And a lot of people go there to not only experience what it's like to walk on that kind of surface and practice with our rovers, with ourselves, mm. with our equipment, our gear. So we practice this on a beautiful surface that's very similar on this active volcano in Hawaii. And the dome consists of, gosh, everything you need, but is very much like camping. So it's just as mm. cold and or as warm. It's just as exposed to the elements, except you just have this canvas protected top over the framework of a steel frame support system. That's about it. So everything else that comes with camping comes with surviving on a simulated mission. 
That's fascinating. So you said, I, I'm taking notes, but you said that you bring your own research on the mission. So what research did you do? Oh, the favorite one, my favorite one of all, because everyone everywhere can relate to this. And it's really easy to have this experiment and this research in your own home. Okay. I brought radishes. Now, why radishes? I hate radishes. I will not eat them. <laughs> don't ask me. They're too, they're too peppery for me. And they just don't, I don't know who eats radishes. But if you do, here's the good news. Radishes are easy to grow. And right now on the International Space Station, they are growing radishes. And so I purposefully brought them to Mars and I left radishes home in Chicago. I left radishes in my suitcase to Mars and then they're growing them on the ISS. So I wanted to see how radishes grow in three different places in our universe. So I did not eat them but I did donate them. They grew for quite some time. So I kept them in the habitat and I donated them to the next crew coming in. I hope they're taking care of them and I hope someone on that team likes radishes. (laughs) So that's fascinating. Let's hop over to our theme about communicating value. You had a job at Johnson Space Center communicating the value of NASA. How did you do that in the past? How were you communicating NASA's value? Yeah, communicating NASA's value is one of the hardest things I've ever done. So I get a master's degree, go off into the world. I become a journalist at a newspaper. And that was that was easy, even though that was hard. Working at NASA, communicating the value of why we should go to space and explore space. I don't know what doctorate or master's or any degree in between could do this correctly because the challenge is, and this is the world's most recognized brand, right? No matter mm-hmm. where you go in the world, you put that NASA meatball up or the worm, they call it the worm, the old 80s insignia, and people recognize and instantly know NASA. So mm-hmm. why is it so difficult to communicate the value? Well because people want to know what is happening right here in their lives right here today how is it benefiting and enhancing nasa is also big and grand and they talk about amazing almost miraculous science and yet that needs that transition that string that goes through to us in our everyday lives so that was my challenge so when i had to communicate the value at nasa i did three things I shared examples in a narrative form. So Mm. I can tell you all about a protective material that I saw and witnessed firsthand that came from some of our solar probes and some of the research that we put out into space to both protect it from thermal heat and extreme cold. Or I can tell you about a story of an eight-year-old little boy who had such a rare skin disease that this material was the only thing that allowed him to go outside. Hmm. Now, which one do you remember more? You won't remember the name of the material. I'm not even going to tell you. But you'll remember the little boy's name and that this material from space is letting him play outside. And that is what I started with. So I started with the narrative. The second thing I would do is I would start with a problem-solution reference. Hmm. And you, again, you have to bring this down to earth, right? Literally, you have to say, you know how 
fill in the blank. You know how we all think space is out there or we see these movies of space and they're grand and dramatic and it's just not in our everyday wheelhouse or lives. Well, and then I bring in the solution. Well, do you wear sunglasses with UV protective lenses? Do you know anyone who has an artificial limb? Do you know anyone who uses mylar in their lives or a thermometer? Mm. So you bring in a problem solution reference and even better, you tell it in a narrative and now we're communicating value. And then the last thing I do, and I did at NASA and I, I encourage everyone, is you tailor your examples to the person you're speaking to. Now I can do this all day with NASA. You can literally ask me to look at a fork on a table or pretty much anything in our world today. And I can showcase and tie the string back to NASA. That's my hidden talent. <laughs> at the bar, when Tom and I were talking at the bar earlier, um, metaphorically, but when you read the room and you look at your audience or your clients or the people you're serving, and you see that they have maybe a sports gear team on or they have kids mm. around them or they have a certain car that they you know that they love then you should do this with your expertise no matter what field you're in tie it into what you're seeing in your audience and we as speakers and people who serve our communities well we do know how to do this but you can do this in everyday life you just read the room and you say you know I noticed that your daughter really loves adventure books. You know who's really mm. good at writing adventure books? Astronaut Chris Hadfield. Did you know that? I mean, I can do that. That's just my forte. But you can do it by communicating value when you are able to give those examples and share that narrative in a problem-solution approach that is tailored to their interests that you're seeing mm. right as you're speaking to them. Mm. Smart. So Beth, Beth, do you think that your background as a journalist has set you up for this superpower that you have of being able to <laughs> communicate value for NASA, for other other space organizations, and for yourself? Is is the journalism background the, the, the secret weapon here? Oh, yes, because I will tell you, every time, the, the traditional journalist in me always is looking for the who, what, where, when, why. Mm -hmm. And the public, when they call NASA, they want the who, what, where, when, why. They want to know who's going to station. What are they doing up there? When are they going? When are they coming back? And why? Why are we spending money on this? It is as foundational mm -hmm. as Journalism 101. So yes, it was a perfect segue for me. I love space. I love science. But my talents weren't in math or science. So I was a completely, I don't know, slightly awesome communicator. So I decided to take my writing skills and apply them in that way. So telling the NASA story, I still do it. And there are still people at NASA who struggle communicating mm. value because every time a new president comes on board, we have to position Congress and get a new budget so that NASA can go off and do the incredible things they do. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less, but the who, what, where, when, why is always there. And those people at NASA and all top companies everywhere, right? They have to answer who they serve and how they communicate value. That makes a lot of sense. Let's shift a little bit. How do you communicate your value when you're talking about your experience with NASA? Oh, good. In my experience, I believe that the best way to communicate is starting by introducing yourself by who you serve. This mm. is profound. So you can communicate who you serve 
And when you do, it shows your commitment of service to others and how you humbly approach your brand. Mm. And it comes with a service-based perspective rather than an I perspective. So let me show you the example. I sell Coke products, Coca-Cola. That's fine. You know exactly what I do and what to do with that. Mm -hmm. I help the employees at Coca-Cola distribute Coke beverages on time every day. Now that's something Mm. different. I positioned it with who I'm serving first. So when I communicate my value, I try to always come at a service-based position first instead of me or I do or I serve. I just, I say, okay. And then I share narratives because that is my jam. So people remember stories, not statistics. I mean, I can tell you exactly right now how many space companies and startups are out there and how much, how many billions of trillions of dollars are going to get spent in the next 10 years in the space economy. But this means nothing if I don't put it in context with a story and a narrative that you can relate to and how it's mm-hmm. going to help service you in your future. So um, again, when I communicate my value, I try to do it through narrative and through a service-based approach of an introduction. So this is actually a good approach for somebody who is in sales, who needs to mm-hmm. book more clients or, or, or whatever, but also maybe for, for someone who's looking for a job, right? It's, it's how do you do this? How do you do this narrative that's gonna stand out and, and be memorable? So what advice do you have for others who either might be looking for new clients or, or seeking right. a job when it comes to what you're, you're talking about? Well, start by watching the webinar talk show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I, that is a great I heard, start. I heard on your preview what's coming up next week, and I need to tune into that because it's mm. really going to help me. But being in a network is a great place to start. So on my podcast, I at first got really nervous asking guests, guests across the industry, industry leaders. Mm-hmm to backyard astronauts and backyard astronomers. Oh, I should say backyard astronomers. There are backyard astronauts. I don't know any, but that was a clip of the time. Um, But when I asked astronauts and industry leaders and everyone in between, I was nervous. But you know what? Here's the incredible ridiculousness of it all. They were already in my network. They were already connected to me on LinkedIn. Shame on me. So it's really important that when you're on these networks, you're being engaged, you're communicating your value, your stories and problem solution approaches and sharing your examples of your value and highlighting others as well. Mm. I love when people tell me they watch the podcast or listen to the podcast, that's great. But when they pick out something specific and they Mm -hmm. put it in their everyday life and their story, I know that the podcast is doing something in the world. So if you're getting started in a job, check your networks and look right down the street, look online, look in your LinkedIn networks and make sure you're actively communicating and don't be afraid to ask. Once I started asking these astronauts who are these you know, incredibly glorious figures, they are so down to earth. They're people just like us. They want to talk space. So we have a blast, but I just had to ask. So I want people to be brave. Now is the time to do it. Tell them your value and when you showcase it, Mm. Don't forget to do the ask. Can I work with you? How can I serve you? So that's the advice I'd give. I hope 
but start by watching the webinar talk show like on the next week. So, so Beth, what is the name of your podcast and can they find that on all the regular podcast channels? You bet. It's called Casual Space. And our friend and colleague, Wayne Mesmer, is my intro voice. So you'll hear him first. And then all this month, I'm going to be highlighting my crewmates. And let me tell you, it runs the gamut from, I know, every single episode is going to be each of my guests' crewmates. And they're all female. And I have an active Air Force weapons specialist. I have a geologist. I have a musician. And I have a artist. And then I also have my commander who is a doctorate in, oh my gosh, she has like nine degrees. Um, <laughs> astrobiology, astrogeology, she's incredible. And all of them are gonna come on the show and talk about what they had to overcome during our mission and how they got there. So the oh, Casual cool. Space Podcast, check it out. I, I think that's awesome. So I'll be sure to tell my daughter, Jackie, who is a huge mm. space fan about uh, casual space. because that's, that's right up her wheelhouse, I think. Yes, indeed. And it's, it's just fun. Like, I love learning new things. And you've heard Tom on this show talk about uh, talking to a smart person every day. If you don't have time to talk to a stock smart person, at least listen to a couple of smart people, <laughs> really expanding your view of the world and, and I guess the universe uh, is a really valuable way to spend your time. So let's shift a little bit in this communication talk. There have been times, I would imagine, at NASA that you had to communicate something difficult. Mm-hmm. And we've all had to, in the last year, shift and pivot and sometimes ha- communicate disappointing things like, we're going to cancel our event. Don't cancel your event. We're going to move to virtual. Don't cancel your event. Please, no. But we've had some experiences. 2021 is shaping up to be interesting. There may be other things that we're going to have to communicate. How do we communicate about difficult situations well? Well, we're coming up on two anniversaries Mm -hmm. that are, this is the worst time of the year for anyone who's in the space industry or who has ever followed NASA because it's the both anniversary of losing the Challenger and Columbia. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, this time of year brought those two unfortunate events together and it was my job at the time when I was working at NASA to communicate that we had lost Columbia. As a matter of fact, I tell the story in my keynotes and in my programs and it's hard to get through. The audience is moved, I'm holding back tears. These were my peers and colleagues. I knew the crew, I had worked with them as had we all. And so on that fateful day, on that Saturday, we looked outside just like everyone did and we looked inside at the televisions on cnn seeing columbia as it was coming from the california coast re-entering the earth's atmosphere coming over texas at the johnson space center which is where i worked for a grand and rare opportunity to hear the sonic boom Mm. and land at kennedy space center in florida so we were all going to witness its return And in doing so, we witnessed the unfortunate tragedy of it breaking up across the sky. So thank goodness 
we had learned our lessons at NASA from Challenger, which was transparency, honesty without drama, always, always having a backup. And I mean a backup, you know, NASA's re- redundancy is ridiculous. I know, Liz, you counsel and work with NASA institutions as well. And I'm sure you've witnessed, they have a backup for a backup for a backup. And not yes. just people, but procedures and parts. NASA's very efficient that way, and that's a good thing. So, and then finally, of course, no, no vagueness. You know, we really had to, during Columbia and the first people to answer the phone, I was included talking to the press, talking to the public, was we don't know what happened. Mm. And that transparency was so valued and so important. It was not how we handled the Challenger incident, and that's good. We had evolved. So we were very transparent. And so when you communicate different difficult things, just like NASA does and will continue to do, here's what I recommend. Again, transparency without drama. And what I mean by that is when you're telling a kid something, you know, imagine you're telling a child or a young adult, you don't want to add any additional drama. There's probably already mm-hmm. something difficult to be said. Next, you always want to provide a workaround or something in context. So you can't always have a workaround when someone passes. Obviously, you can't have something where, I mean, even if it's a pet to a child, there's nothing you can say here except honest and transparent without drama. And then, of course, with your clients, with your folks that you're serving, never leave a teaser, a voicemail, elude to anything or be vague be transparent again without drama and finally once you've communicated something difficult listen stop Mm. listen you will hear things you will hear reactions you will hear you will actually hear processing the data you will hear it one of the things i think nasa did well is they listened and then we had the columbia investigation report and then we had the memorial we stopped we watched we listened and we were completely transparent. And I think it honestly served us well because accidents happen, risk is part of space exploration and we're gonna continue to have things that happen. And I hope we continue to communicate difficult things in these manners. That's actually great advice because we all face difficult conversations, you know, if not daily, certainly often. And and I love that piece about putting it out there, straightforward, transparent. So taking a little mental note. Well, I think we see on social media, particularly that teaser that you talked about, like, Mm -hmm. oh, not looking forward to tomorrow. (laughs) That's not helpful. Um, And it it creates that drama. I, I appreciate so much that that advice about don't be vague, transparency without drama. And the, um, I think we all struggle with the idea that there is inherent risk to certain things. Um, and, you know, even with events and, you know, there's always been risk that when you plan an event, something might happen. The fire alarm would go off or, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the weather is crazy or whatever it is, you know, layer on top of that COVID, (laughs) there are risks that we're all trying to communicate in ways that we've not really had to do in the past. Uh, I think that advice that you gave us is really, really good. And 
uh, particularly for the times that we're living in. Go ahead. So Beth, I know you speak to audiences and, and mm. we've met at a National Speakers Association event. When you speak to audiences with your sort of eclectic background and your focus on, on science and space, what are, the, what are the reactions? What are the coolest questions you get from the audience about who you are and what you teach? Mm. I love the questions. As a matter of fact, I, t- I find myself speeding through sometimes my program so I can get to the questions. <laughs> that's where you learn, right? My son, the other day, he's nine. And he said, hey, mom, I have a question, but that's how you learn. And then he proceeded with this question. So I have inherently taught everyone in the family, like ask questions. And when you ask questions, even when I'm on stage, again, I don't know, I am not a planetary expert or astrobiologist and I say, I don't know, but I always have a story of someone who does. So, <laughs> I mean, after a hundred and plus some episodes on my podcast, I've talked to quite the gamut in the industry and they have come to me with their examples. So really when I'm on stage, what I'm doing is shining a light and showcasing stories and narratives and examples that everyday folks like you and I can sit in the audience and shake our head yes and say, I've been there. Oh, I can't believe an astronaut experienced that as well. Oh, did you just say that NASA really flubbed this up and they created something that was very expensive and it didn't work and everyone failed? Yes, those examples, we all can relate to them. So, and then of course, the, okay, let's start with some of the doozy questions. How do you go to the bathroom in space? That's already the question. How, how do you go to the bathroom in space? <laughs> so carefully, you carefully <laughs> go to the bathroom in space, which is true. And it's just like camping. So if you've ever used facilities outside that you had to be creative with, that is how you go to the bathroom in space. So I'll use two words to explain this, a vacuum and a device. That's, a, that's really all you need to know. You can go Google more, but this <laughs> This is a challenge though, because our creature comforts, we have to take those with us when we go exploring. When you go camping, what are the most important things? Food and probably sleep or bathroom facilities, right? I'll go Mm. camping anywhere where there's a toilet. (laughs) Which does not count my in-laws ranch outhouse, which they always are like, what's the problem? And I'm like, I'm a Yankee and I don't use an outhouse very often. You're, you're, you're frightening me. You're frightening me a little because in four years, my plan with my youngest daughter, Kate, is to hike the Appalachian Trail. And do it. The, the thing I haven't figured out yet is is how do you go to the bathroom every day on the Appalachian Trail? Okay. Well, I had to figure it out on Mars. And as a female, they make things for using this exact, you know, and it was used just fine. I used it just fine. They have all kinds of things that you can use. But again, it's important to bring those comforts to space. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking, you know, not just bathroom, but your favorite food and your pictures from home. If I could, I would take my son's blanket because it has, it's special to, he would never give it to me, but these are the things <laughs> we want to bring with us. Now, some of the other questions on stage are how did you work through crisis? What is NASA doing today? How are we gonna get to space when we have so much strife and difficulty to solve here on Earth? Those are big questions. And sometimes on stage, I feel bold and I think I can answer them, but mostly I let the experts do that. And I reference how NASA has a strategy for really saving us and promoting science in our world. But 
these are all the questions we have. And so if they're coming to me on stage or on the podcast or anywhere else, 90% of the time, I'm networking them into the experts who can handle them. Again, transparency, when you don't know, you can give it to someone who does. And you know, they're elated. They're so grateful for a connection I've made to say, you know, I'm not an astrophysicist, but I do know one who stays at a, what is it? Is it a Motel 6? How does that commercial go? <laughs> yeah, Holiday Inn Express. Yeah, yes. I stayed at a Holiday yeah. Inn Express last night. That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, Beth, sadly, it's time for us to splash down with this episode. <laughs> see, see, I did that again. That was good. So, that was very good. So if somebody's listening and they're like, oh, my gosh, I must know more about Beth Mund, how do they find you? Well, you're going to watch the replay of the webinar talk show. You're going to watch Tom's podcast as well. You got it. Well, we build each other up and we share. We're all in this together. Right. And then you're going to tune into Casual Space Podcast. And then you're going to find me on BethMund.com. And you're going to send me your questions. Because whatever age you are, whatever interest you have, whatever background, you are a space enthusiast. I know it. And we have a shared connection. And it's all about enjoying those stories that make us smile and get inspired to continue to explore that's it. So BethMunn.com. Of course, I'm on all the channels and um, you can ask me any questions about space anytime. Uh, which is so much fun. I knew this was going to be a good episode and the perfect one to to kick off season three. Thanks for being with us. blast off season three. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I got, so I got we, a million of them. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, this is when I we make just go on like we were in a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. We got to talk about what's coming up, though. Uh, we have some great things coming up next week on Monday. We have um, some meeting professionals joining us talking about the uh, continuing education program they've put together to help others put together the um, in-person events during COVID which is awesome. Then on Monday, Judson, Judson's coming. Yes, and we're taking Wednesday off next week because of the presidential election. That's uh, right. Our show is scheduled for the exact time that the 46th <laughs> president will be sworn in and we figured you would want to be watching that, right. not Eliza. Right, so we'll be back next week with one and then we're gonna keep going uh, all the way through the first quarter. Beth, thank you for joining us today. This is really great. You can find us on webinartalkshow.com. And if you want to find us live on Facebook, when we go uh, live on Mondays and Wednesdays at 11, you can find us at webinartalkshow.live. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.